Welcome to the podcast of Fellowship Church in Dallas, Pennsylvania. To find out more about Fellowship Church, visit fellowshipefc.org. Welcome to the Fellowship Church podcast, the podcast that offers you biblical sermons, practical discussions, and training resources. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors at Fellowship Church in Dallas, Pennsylvania. And today we are looking at global missions and sitting down with our team who recently went to Bolivia to serve with EBOC. In Matthew 16, Jesus promises that he will build his church. And his church is built on the foundation of the prophets and the word of the apostles who went out into the world to proclaim the good news to all peoples. And so today we carry the mission to all peoples in the same vein. And in doing so, we are being used by Christ, who is the cornerstone, to build his church. In 2019, our church began a ministry partnership with EBOC, and we are currently committed to serving with EBOC for seven years. And we've done some other podcasts about EBOC in the past, and I encourage you to go and listen to those. Um, but here are a couple quick facts about EBOC. EBOC uh, has roots in the Evangelical Free Church of America, which we are a part of. EBOC stands for Institutos Bíblicos de las Américas y el Caribe, which means the Bible Institute of the Americas in the Caribbean. And it exists to equip Latin American church leaders with theological, biblical, and pastoral education and mobilize the North American church to strategically invest internationally. So what that means is EBOC provides training for church leaders in Latin America through a modular Bible Institute and utilizes uh, U.S. churches and Latin American leaders coming together with the purpose of producing servant leaders who can handle God's word accurately, who embody authentic spirituality, and who shepherd healthy churches. So now we're on year three of our uh, commitment to uh, serving with EBOC. And we're privileged today to hear from some of the team who went to Bolivia most recently in March. So if you could just share with me who you are and how God led you to be part of the uh, Bolivia team. Hi, I'm Mark Simpson. I like to think I've been part of world missions for about 30 years now, both since my time overseas in the armed forces and doing some other things for the Lord. And it's one of the things that drew me to this church when I became a member about six years ago. So this was my second visit to Bolivia. We look forward to going back, Lord willing, in September. And uh, I think it's a great opportunity. I don't want to take up a lot of time here, but it's uh, it's really a tremendous opportunity. And to see God work on the field outside of your immediate area. So privileged to be there. Hi, I'm Leanne Warnes, and um, I had the privilege of going to Bolivia this past March. I've always had an interest in missions, and... Um, I impressed with Fellowship Church as they they really have a, a strong uh, just a, a strong desire to serve in, in the missions organizations, and um, EBOC has been a real eye opener for me. Um, my husband was asked to go, and I thought I should go as well, and I'm glad I did. It was a great experience, and uh, looking forward to going again in September. Thanks, Leanne. So you mentioned your husband, Bob, so we'll go to Bob next. Hello, my name is Bob, and uh, uh, I have really enjoyed the opportunity to go to Bolivia. I was uh, given this opportunity, and I consider it a tremendous privilege to go down there uh, to work with the people. And uh, I had expectations because I like 
these Spanish-speaking people tremendously. We've worked with them through our lives a great deal, and we've had some very good friends with uh, Spanish-speaking cultures. And uh, we knew this culture, and we really enjoyed it. And it was not a disappointment. In fact, uh, we were very excited to be down there. It's very humbling uh, to go down to this part of the world and to meet with uh, the people of Bolivia. Uh, you don't really realize the need until you go down, because in the culture that we live in today with the Internet and all of the electronic uh, information that we have, you think, well, they can just get it if they need it. Uh, but that's not necessarily true. Uh, we're not just down there to teach. We are down there to teach, no doubt. But we're down here to encourage also, and also to be encouraged. And uh, uh, the gratitude was just overwhelming. And uh, their walk with Christ is just convicting uh, to see such a tremendous walk that they have, and it's, it's exciting. And to bring that back to fellowship and to realize how God is working so greatly uh, 2,400 miles away in the middle of South America, it's exciting. It's just very exciting. That's encouraging. Thanks, Bob. Uh, my name is Frank Yamrick, and first time I went to Bolivia was um, a year and a half ago, and I was um, invited to go kind of not last minute, but it was only a few months before there was an opportunity on the team that opened up um, and they asked me to go because I did have some previous cross-cultural experience. Um, went down, I was really impressed with the church we are partnering with, um, impressed with their ministry, uh, their teaching at that church, mm -hmm. um, and also impressed with the potential of this ministry that we're doing and the, seeing the importance and need that is filling. So some of the things that you uh, just shared, Frank and, and Bob as well, just the way that God is working and the incredible ministry that's happening there. Uh, I really want to frame our discussion today around how Christ is building his church and how he is using us to do that through global missions uh, to accomplish his mission to uh, make disciples. So considering that and thinking about some of uh, what you had experienced there, what are some of the cultural differences between Bolivia and the United States that you noticed? In some ways, they're typical Spanish in that they're very family-oriented, and they, they just are very uh, very well associated with their extended family and their immediate family. Uh, they seem to have a very happy disposition. Uh, everybody that we met in uh, Santa Cruz, Bolivia, was very hospitable and very friendly. We were told by our interpreter, Wampi, that uh, that was unique even to Bolivia and uh, was very, very open to the gospel. Pastor Marcelo, the uh, lead pastor at our church in Bolivia, said that uh, uh, they're very receptive to the gospel in the area, and he has outreaches all the time, and he has taken us to several places that give us this opportunity to go out and visit. And so it's just impressive to see how um, how they're working in this area and how we can go down and be an encouragement. We, we were an encouragement uh, to all that were there. And by the way, the age group went from probably fourth grade all the way up to senior pastors in churches. The majority were adults, but we had every age group represented. The church was packed 
every day for six days straight. Uh, and uh, I mentioned to Leanne earlier today that I've never taught a group of people that were so eager to learn and to uh, understand the Word of God, and not just from an academic point of view, but to apply it spiritually to their life. It's very exciting. 85% of Santa Cruz was Catholic, and we were exposed to uh, our church group that were were there, uh, and they were very hospitable and very strong Christians, by the way. We're not going down to... uh, because we're the great Americans going down to rescue the poor Bolivians, not at all. In fact, if you go down with that attitude, you'll be humbled very quickly. Uh, they're just strong Christians, very loving. Uh, they really love Jesus, and they want to know how to serve him better. Maybe Frank can give a little bit more insight in that. I don't sure, know. Frank, and, and you've, you've visited a lot of different cultures. And something I want to ask you about, uh, you always are wearing some garment that is representative of uh, another culture or region of the world. Can you share a little bit about why you do that? Because I think a lot of people are wondering. Oh, well, one, the clothes are comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and that's but, what matters um, most. But a lot of it, uh, a lot of the clothes I wear are gifts. And um, I am honoring the person that gave me the gift. And as we build a relation, I think more people see me doing it. So my people I interact with will give me gifts as well. Yeah. Um, some of them I did buy, like when I go to country, I'll buy some of the, the local attire. Um, you know, just as a reminder and to keep that country on my heart and in my prayer. That's a beautiful thing. And so you just mentioned uh, the relationships that you have and that you build when you go to other countries. Thinking uh, to, about Bolivia, and I'll open this up to everybody, what were some of the uh, challenges that you faced in developing relationships in a foreign country? Oh, for me, it was the language. Um, I wish I had, I wish I knew Spanish, uh, a lot <laughs> better than I do. I've never studied Spanish before. So trying to communicate with the other women was very difficult. And, um, luckily there was a young lady there named Lita who was studying English. So I could have a pretty good conversation with her and she could interpret for me. And luckily we had, you know, Wapi as our interpreter. And sometimes I'd be yelling for Wapi, help me, you know. But um, yes, it's the language was uh, was tough. But you still went, so you yes. didn't have any training in Spanish language. Correct. But you still had a, a sense that God was calling you to go and serve there. So, what were some other ways that you compensated for? Uh, not having that much training in the Spanish language. I think just being there for them and just um, a lot of times we'd go places and we'd pray with the people, uh, even though we prayed in English and, you know, it was interpreted some, um, I just felt like that we were being an encouragement to them in praying. I think the thing that impressed me is that uh, how the Holy Spirit is transcendent in that God that we have is the same God that they have. And, Amen. And scriptures pointed mm-hmm. this out when Paul went to the uh, non-Jews and to the Jews also, and it was the same Holy Spirit. And when you go down here, you have that kindred spirit, and uh, you can't fake loving Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. And yes. they see right through that. You need to be walking for Christ before you step on the plane. It was because of of the unity that we have in Christ that some of those those walls and those boundaries uh, absolutely could be broken yeah. down. Absolutely. Aside from language, was were there any other challenges that you faced in just developing relationships there, Frank and, and Mark? I know you've gone before, so you already kind of had that foundation. But maybe even thinking back to your first trip, 
Well, I think uh, it's all relative to what you know and the perception. I, I want to I want to follow up on what Bob said. These individuals, we 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 had to check any attitude at the door because their uh, their love of God is really remarkable. Amen. And it comes through. And it is, as Bob also said, it's 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 was it's been a humbling experience that God would use us to go down there to you know, do what we're doing. And I think Ebok, you know, that goes to Jim Wilson and his crew at Ebok. What they have put together here is a remarkable platform to give folks who are not vocational pastors an opportunity to participate in world mission that might otherwise scare them off. Yes, there are language difficulties. We have an excellent interpreter. His name's Juan Pablo, by the way, Juan Pablo Vargas. Mm -hmm. We affectionately call him Wampy. Um, we couldn't do anything without him. Uh, he's, he's with us everywhere. He, he rides with us everywhere. He eats the same food we eat. Well, I think the same food we eat. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we couldn't do anything without him. And anyone who's praying about doing this, first of all, back to the, the, the PO, I call it the POI, the instructional course. <clears throat> the ideal length is seven years. However, on this particular POI, there've been like, uh, last year we lost the September date, not, not this church, but the other church we were partnering with in Minnesota. They lost that date because of civil unrest there. So that would push it beyond like a seven or eight year window. But there's a total of about 14 classes, uh, one, one given on each trip, one, one subject area. And like this next one is on New Testament survey. The one we just left was on the Old Testament survey. And next year we're going to start getting into doctrine. And, uh, so, but back to my original premise, what, what Ebok has done is tremendous to set this up that where if anybody wants to go, if they really want to hit a mission field for a period of time to, to see what it's like, uh, it, this, this fits like a glove. As far as any other cultural experiences I've had, um, well, I could say this. The folks at that church in Bolivia are a lot like us. They need a new parking lot. <laughs> but having said that, I think that uh, we're able to overcome any difficulties because, of course, we're there with a common purpose. And that, that, does, that takes care of a lot of it right there. Yeah. Amen. What were some other similarities that you noticed? They have tremendous structure within their church. Okay. Just like we have here, they have a, a strong Titus or the pastoral epistles is what I'm thinking of. Titus, first or second Timothy, uh, as Paul has outlined, they have a very strong structural material, uh, structure within their church with the pastor and elders and other folks leading that congregation. They have tremendous ministries. Yeah. extended from the church yeah. that's reaching into the local area and they're not ashamed of the gospel. Yeah. Amen. Could you, could you yeah. share about some of those ministries? One of the ministries that impressed me the most is we went out to a family that were doing outreach to children. And, uh, when missionaries normally go to a foreign field and start a church, they would start as they are as a home church, but they're not missionaries. They're just regular people and they have a burden for the children, and it is just amazing what they're doing. It's just 
it's just exciting. Uh, these little children and, and the outreach that they have, they have like problems, if not worse than here, with uh, uh, the drugs and the uh, child abuse and the other vices of the world. And uh, these people see this, and they're they have a tremendous burden for them. They're using Word of Life material, is that correct? Am I right? Mm-hmm. Word of Life material in Spanish, and and they're doing a tremendous job with it. I mean, it's exciting. Uh, I've been receiving videos and, and things of their of their ministry since I've been back, and uh, it's just exciting, and that's just one of them. Yeah, uh, yeah there was one outreach that um, there, there's an organization actually doing this, but they were helping out and working with that uh, um, works with women and children at risk. And that organization has kind of like a food pantry, except the people that just don't come pick up free stuff. It's mm-hmm. more they buy at an optimum level, sell it to them at a cheaper price. But they had the, the women that go to that ministry were preparing the food for our events. So as you know, part of the, the fees and costs of this is we prepare food for the people attending the conference. But that the people actually preparing that are these women that are being served by this yeah. ministry to give them the opportunity for them to, to work and earn some income. So they're not just receiving. Right. They're also right. So giving Participating, back. which I think is a very good way ministry. to build up their, their character and yeah. their, their self-respect. And the church is yeah. edified in that. If I could, I'd like to say one more thing, that this only happened in, the I guess, the six or seven months since Frank and I were there last year, where the church is located. Now, next door, they have a coffee shop. Down the street, they have a, it's a florist or something. And I don't know if that convenience store that you guys walked to that night was already there, but it's like where the church has been planted, now community is, is, is developing around it. And God is watering this growth down there. So we're, we're here at a remarkable time to be part of it, but also to watch it happen. Why do you, why do you think that is that the community is growing around the church? Because people are hungry. I think people are all, we always had the vacuum. I think that was C.S. Lewis's line. But I think there is a real sense of wanting to belong to something bigger than themselves. They want to attach to God. Okay, uh, the Pope has actually been to Santa Cruz, where we where we were. But that didn't do anything. I mean, you know, they have a big show a few years ago, and they've got it all marked off, and celebrate that as a visitor's site. But the church is just, uh, well, I think where we're going and other smaller churches around that community are filling a need for people that otherwise spiritually they don't get elsewhere. Yeah. It sounds like the church in Bolivia is really being the salt and light. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good amazing. Thing. Yeah. I was going to add, too, the, the pastor of the church we're partnering with, he does some of the teaching with us. So some of the teaching is in Spanish, and then some of it we have interpreters as we're teaching, but he's... You know, knows the course material very well, does a good job at teaching, as well as a very good job at preaching, because I've heard him preach three times. In English uh, or Spanish? In Spanish. I mean, yeah. He does everything in Spanish. But So do you know when to say amen? Do you know enough Spanish? Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially Bob, when, do you when, know? Yeah. No, I, I say You're just amen. guessing. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to scare him too bad. Yeah. <laughs> I have I a, enough of that here in this church. I have a bilingual Bible, so I can, I know, I yeah. can follow along pretty well. Um, what's going on? I can understand them. I'll tell you, when I go down this time, I will be able to a lot more. That's great. I, I'm not speaking it as well, but I do understand a lot better now, and uh, it's exciting.
has your desire to uh, connect with the the people in Bolivia uh, deepened since going there? You you want to know more Spanish? You want to know more about the culture? Oh yeah, Leanne and I Definitely. are mm-hmm. delving into it quite deeply. Is uh, into we've been using Duolingo because it seems to be the more uh, you know new student friendly. I have some other apps that I have, but they seem to be uh, a lot more advanced. And uh, this will be a tremendous opportunity for us to go down and see just how much we have learned. So, I mean, it's it's, it's exciting. We do another uh, cultural thing, and we're, just to go back on that a little bit. So, when when you greet the women, if the, the women will sometimes kiss each other on the cheek, correctly, Ian? Yes. But the men, you put your right hand on his left shoulder and you come up within about a foot and then you back back off. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to kind of learn that by by accident, by trial and error. But it's it's pretty funny. I mean, they're very friendly people. Everybody uses first name basis, uh, which is interesting. We call Juan Pablo Vargas Wampy because that's a nickname that he has. That's that's his, and everybody like I asked him. I said, "Do you like to be called this?" He said, "Oh yes, that's my name. That's my nickname." And everybody there has a a nickname or a first name basis, very personal. Uh, it's just very nice. And the thing that uh, every one of us were asked time and time again: Are you coming back? Not is fellowship. But are you personally coming back? They want return visitors also. Yes, that's evidence that there's there's fruit there and relationships are yes. being built. Yes. So so again, going back to the the challenges and even the language barrier, uh, that that doesn't really matter when no. you have that unity in Christ because you can mm-hmm. still develop relationships because you have Correct. something that you all are working towards and you all have mm-hmm. the same Lord and it's all part of the same body. It went out with some some of the young men, uh, the college age men. Uh, one morning, we went to coffee at Starbucks and with Pastor Marcello, pastor there. And we were we began then to set up, I called, use the word incremental mentoring program. And I've been in contact with them here, and we've tried to get the material there to them, myself. And where we're developing, we're trying to develop a program where these young men are mentored. And that goes back to the relationship because once you get in there, when I say get in there, I should say when you get there, and God, there's no telling for any individual that goes how God will use their gifts and their interests to open up other doors of ministry. Now, the challenges, this is where I was getting to, we, we've had a little problem in the United States with the publisher of the material I've been trying to get down there. But aside from that, we enjoy a relationship where we go online and we we just, it's just mentoring opportunity on Zoom. And I look forward to, you know, renewing that when we get back down there in September. But there are challenges. The distance can present a challenge. We're in the same time zone. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that that helps. But and yeah, it's a long plane ride, but if you can overcome those challenges, it's well worth it. I was going to go back to when you were talking about the, the ministries that the church there is doing. Why, why I brought up the, their pastor is the week after we were there doing our IBEC, he went to do another one in a different city to help out. 
So to me, that kind of shows that the church values it enough that he's willing to take a week away from his home church to go teach in another city with the same program. And just keep and, making disciples and building the body of Christ. Yeah. And their church supports six missionaries from their own congregation. Um, and the church size is probably 100 people or so. Yeah. So, so do you know where those missionaries are? Well, one is uh, Esteban and okay. uh, Bethany that we support are from their church, so they support them in Mexico. Uh, one of them we had met last year, me and Mark had met, is out in a small village oh, yes. uh, working with one of the, the Soccer native, teams and stuff. Yeah. native yes. populations. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and there's a young couple, Marcel sent me information of a young couple cleaning church north of uh, Santa Cruz, and they're doing a, a good job, just a, another young missionary work that he is supporting personally. So it, it's just, uh, it's exciting to see these things happening. And, and Marcellus is, uh, all of this is, uh, is good for us to go down there, but unless you have a, a tremendous foundation already established, such as the church we're working through with Marcellus and the other, uh, members of the church, uh, would kind of wither on the vine when we leave, but it, it continues, and what I was impressed with is we came like an hour before to uh, wait for this uh, teaching to start. And there was a lady in the back, and she was with another young lady uh, discipling her. And you see little pockets here and there. It, it, I mean, they're they are eating it up. They're just they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's similar to, uh, very similar to fellowship. And it's exciting. It's just... Uh, when uh, Lee Pyatt was mentioning, he said, just amazing how many similarities there are between fellowship here and, and down there. And it's, it's God, the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, that, that, that really transcends that. Amen. It's just exciting. Yeah, we keep talking about the church down there, and we may be given the image that it's just this one church, um, which we are interacting with the church that is hosting it with right. a lot of what we're talking about. But IBEC is a bunch of churches that gather together for this conference. It is not just one. Yeah. There are multiple churches sending groups of people to the conference. So how so, many churches are, are represented in the had 11. seminar? Yeah. 11 pastors, they said, were there. Okay. We uh, uh, Over 100 students. Correct. Yeah. There were 11 pastors, 11 different churches, which is very good. Our My impression was that we were going to be down and we were going to have a church filled with 100 pastors. Well, that didn't transpire. For a lot of reasons for that. These pastors are all lay pastors. They, were, they have a job. Right. And uh, the, the teaching starts at 7 in the evening, and, and it has to be completed before 10 o'clock at night because that's when the last bus shuttle it travels, the public transportation. Okay. So how and, did you guys uh, deal with that time constraint? Uh we just carry it over to the next day. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Both times we went in the Saturday, which was supposed okay. to. Yeah. And it worked out fine. Uh, yeah. He's flexible, and but not not at that ten o'clock hour, and uh, and which you need to be respectful of that. So it really shows the the commitment and the eagerness to know the Word of God, as you were saying. Yes. That these bivocational pastors would go to go to work during the day. Yes. And then after work, go there and and sit for three hours to know so, more about God and his word. So, Pastor Tim, what this does for me is it says that uh, I need to be at the top of my game. I don't need to be a slouch when I go down there. It's convicting to me that tells me that I need to study, study, study. And 
every one of us do this. We, we have enough material to teach 10 hours a night, but we're only going to be teaching for 45 minutes total, but that is cut in half because the interpreter has to say everything that you do. So you might have, in 45 minutes, you might have 25 minutes of actual speaking. And by the way, Juan Pablo is excellent. We show him the material. He says, I don't know that word, or this word means this, and this is a better word. And we worked through all of this prior. Uh, almost every day I'd get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and uh, we did not stop until 10, 11 o'clock at night when we got back. Wow. And this was six days in a row. And uh, it was, if you're looking for a, a vacation destination, you'll be disappointed. It's not. <laughs> so it wasn't uh, light work, but. No, it's, it's not, it's not a spring break with a, no. you know, a disguised as a mission trip. No, it's that exciting. Is. Yeah. But it, it really, it really sharpens you, it sounds like. Correct. Mm-hmm. What were some other ways that you were encouraged by the church or in the students in Bolivia? I was really thankful for where we stayed this last time. I, I, the first time when Frank and I went down, I mean, it was fine. Uh, but it was, but this time we stayed on the, the seminary campus and I've asked Marcelo if he would to try to work that out again for September because he makes the actual living arrangements. We might be living in a garage. I don't know, but it was really a, a great chance. We got to interact more with the, like not only the seminary people, but the folks who were going through the, the seminary grounds, we have people who would visit the lady there. She, she actually did my laundry one day. She didn't have to, but she did. So it's, it's an additional opportunity. And I know Frank can touch on this about his walks around the, around the rings and getting to talk to people and stuff. But I think that was really helpful for me to be there on the seminary grounds. I think one thing that impressed me is that there was a couple in the church that would bring us lunch every day. And I mean, this was full meals. And I think the last night we were there, we ate at their house. And I said to Bob, I can't believe how far away they lived. They prepared the meal and then they had quite a ways to travel to bring it to us. And so that they are so hospitable down there. Chico was was jugador de football. He was a professional soccer player and he taught professional soccer and what a sweet guy. He and his wife, uh, Gabrielle. They were wonderful. And, uh, Absolutely wonderful. Really the food was fun. delicious. We can't oh, complain yeah. about well, that. Tell us more about that. Well, they, every day we ate empanadas, which are like a filled pie crust with either meats or vegetables or fruit in them. And that, they were delicious. But we Every ate, day? Every day. Oh, either yeah. at night we would have those as a snack or... Lucky they just Yeah, they were good. <laughs> And um, so then we had like one one day we had spaghetti. Oh, yeah. We had chicken. We we had all kinds of the native food we were was, familiar with. But then but again, no pizza. No Yay. pizza. Yeah. <laughs> the native fruit was just uh, really spectacular. It was all local grown. And yeah, it was. What's tell them about the the weather, Leanne? The weather was eighty eighty five ninety every day. It was wonderful. Humidity. <laughs> It was humid, but yeah. I didn't care. Not it was, it was it nice. Uh, when it's when it's March, and your option is NEPA or Bolivia. Right. Well, 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 one I'll way that Bolivia. their church is similar to ours is they now have air conditioning. They didn't right. the first year, Thanks but they got it this year. Praise God! Yes, have sir. Air conditioning. That's a blessing. When I saw that, I tell you, bananas. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, yeah. I can move there. Yeah. We talked a little bit about how you've been encouraged and blessed. What were some ways that you were encouraging and helping to build the body of Christ there? 
I want to say that there was, we went to a lady's house who had cancer. I mean, she was not in good shape at all. I, I, to my, in my opinion, she was, she was in rough shape, but she had the table all set up for us with uh, always they have a snack or a drink or coffee, tea or whatever. And um, her testimony, how much she loved the Lord and was leaning on him through it all. And um, she was a real encouragement to me. I mean, I just, you don't see that very often. Usually sometimes people shake their fist at God when they're going through that. But she loved the Lord and she was a worker in that church um, when she could be. Now she, I don't know how things are now, but she couldn't work in the church anymore because of her condition but it, it, she was an encouragement a real encouragement so you went there to serve her and encourage her and, mm, and you, she, you were still blessed right were there other opportunities like that yes there were other opportunities i, I was uh uh very impressed we went to the the one rescue mission that uh, frank was mentioning earlier and uh this lady uh gave her testimony it was just impressive very very, very impressive. She's a Canadian missionary, and uh, she's down there, a single lady going down, and uh, just tremendous work. And she's the one that, her mission work is the one that supplied our food in okay. the evenings for the snack time for the halfway through the, the work. Um, Marcelo's and Juan, Juan Pablo came to me after, as I'm sure he did to the other uh, members of the team, and he mentioned how how grateful he was that we came down and taught and that he and the church were blessed by our being down there to help, <clears throat> which was an encouragement to me because you're using an interpreter. You're, you, you, you're not sure. You, you, it's hard to read the uh, congregation or the people you're teaching. And, uh, and he would not say it unless he was sincere about it. Very matter of fact, man. And he, he, uh, I was very encouraged by that, and to see the uh, young people and the other men that came forward and how encouraged they were to receive a diploma on Saturday after the five days of teaching, they were excited to get this thing. It was a tremendous accomplishment for them, and it wasn't just a piece of paper. It was, I've been taught the Bible. I've been, I've been advanced in learning about God, and that was uh, something that was uh, telling me that they really were not just there to hear or to get a piece of paper. They wanted to use it. And so it's exciting to know that we can go back down and, and uh, continue to advance this. Yeah, when we were down there during the daytime, too, they would take us usually in the afternoon out to either visit a different ministry that's taking place and associating with their church or some of the other churches, or we'd meet people within their church, again, like the, the two families that we prayed with that had uh, one had an both one had an amazing recovery from something um, from cancer, and then the other one has been a testimony that just in a stage of cancer, cancer, but has such joy and just radiates that through. But the other ministries that we looked at, I know three of them have been supported financially through different things that have come from people in the free church, just by knowing about that. Um, Mark's doing the mentorship. Thing. So this is, expands beyond just the teaching we're doing. There's relationships being built and support for different ministries down there, right. so, such as the the Bible seminary. It's there. The um, the happy they call it a happy hour thing, where they're reaching out to the children, yes. where there was a need there. There was so a medical it's not ministry what people in the United States would think of as happy hour. Oh, right, completely different. Right. Yes, <laughs> children are happy to be there during that hour. Right. Yeah. Most of them did not get food for that day, 
unless they went through this. Uh, it was a tremendous opportunity for them to uh, get out there and learn the Bible. Just, just very, very happy to be there learning about God and just excited. Is, that, is it similar to Vacation Bible School then? It's one hour a week. Okay. They, they're, they're doing it on Wednesday nights, and they're giving time. Okay. They do do some other expanded stuff, but it's yeah. it's not like a week-long program. It's more consistent. So it's like a, it's like it's year-round. Okay. They don't ever stop it. It's yeah. continuous. They don't want to stop it. Correct. Like- After one of our <laughs> teaching one night, I had one of the young ladies come up to me. Uh, I spent a few moments talking about that great Hebrew word, chesed, love God's loving kindness. And... Uh, she came up to me, and she wanted some information so she could advance her study of Hebrew. And uh, talking with her a little bit, she's as far along as I am. I mean, that, that speaks to the general spiritual welfare. I, not that you know God needs more people to learn those languages, but it just gives you an idea. These, these folks, are uh, they're on the ball down there. They're serious. Yes. So it wasn't just a trip where you're going to share the gospel with people who have never heard about Christ, but it's people that no. that, that would know be him great if we could. Growing. But I, absolutely, I, I, but it's uh, it's 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 to build up the body of Christ. That helps our listeners to uh, maybe rethink what it, what world missions means. It's not just about going to preach the gospel. I mean, that's that's the goal is for the gospel to be made known to all yes. nations, but. What we're doing on this trip is is training leaders and churches yes. to go and do the work of ministry. Why are world missions so important in helping us accomplish the call to make disciples? America has been blessed. There's no two ways about it. We have the uh, economically and with all of our teaching institutions and with people that have the gifts. God has obviously allowed this to happen here in America. And that doesn't mean we're without our faults. We definitely have those. Uh, but at the same time, just we have a responsibility because we receive these to go down and help uh, our other brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, as Mark mentioned, we're going to be teaching New Testament survey uh, this uh, September. And then next spring or summer, we're going to be teaching uh, theological truths and uh uh, all of these are foundational into being able to interpret the Word of God correctly. And uh, if you don't have that solid foundation, you're open to all kinds of false teachings, and the cults are out there. They're waiting to come in and take advantage of a little bit of teaching of the Bible and then add their faults to it, and it becomes all false. And that's everywhere in the world, so Correct. that's why Ebach Correct. is helping leaders to handle the Word of God accurately. Now, uh, um, Paul Jackson had read an article, and he had spoken about it at one of our Sunday services here, about how the demographics of Latin America and South America have changed to where now evangelicals outnumber Catholics. So I was trying to f- find that, but I didn't want to pay for a subscription for the, <laughs> the source he got it from. So I was looking for other online sources. And it's amazing, just from year to year, like the numbers are so different. That going back even two years ago, it was um, 65% Catholic and 30% evangelicals. And it's just changing so quickly. But a, a majority of those evangelicals are prosperity gospel. If okay. there's not adequate training and teaching and truth, right. the, things could be spreading in a way that's really not productive for the kingdom. The, the churches, the, the what Maimon we're partnering with there, and I was at a service at a different one, uh, last year. 
they are grounded in truth. Mm, yeah. But they need more training and, and to keep that, to, to spread that. So everyone is grounded in truth and in scripture. And I'm just so blessed. You can see their desire to focus on learning the truth. What I sometimes tell Christians, especially these younger men I, I talk with, and they're all American born, I said, go back to the year you were born. Look how many babies were born in the United States that year. And look how many people were born in the world that year. And then look at what percentage God puts you in. You are probably looking at no more than 1.5% doing mathematical probabilities that you would be born in the United States and you are part of the remnant of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The fact that we, it's not to put a load on anybody's shoulders, but looking at it the other way, we have a tremendous opportunity to make an eternal difference. Mm. And I, I, I encourage them to look at that. See, just to remind yourself on those days when you get really discouraged, look how we've been blessed because we've been birthed into a place where we're free to worship, we're free to serve so far. And we have all these opportunities in front of us. Yeah, we are accountable. And we're going to be held accountable for what we do. With and Mark, one of the things that I wanted to bring out too, that's a communist country. But yet, in many, many respects, they have more freedoms than we do here in America. They can go into any one of their schools and teach. They are not restricted on any of this. They, they are, teach the Word of God. Yes, yes. And uh, they... They have the opportunity to go out and witness. They they they're not restricted restricted in any of those fashions. Uh, at this present time, uh, they they're wide open to the gospel, and this is an opportunity where we really need to give them. They have the tools. All we're doing is sharpening them. They have the tools. We're just putting a little bit of an edge on it to where they can really get in there and and cut the gospel in. And as I was thinking of your question um, about our church being involved in world missions as far as where we stand, as I think, and I was thinking about Pastor Mark's series on Acts and how Paul and Timothy and Silas, they all went to other cities and other countries to encourage the churches that had been planted. And I think that's a big opportunity yeah. for us is, I mean, we hear about other countries like Bolivia and, you know, Africa, but but to actually go and and see the kindred spirit and and know that there are other believers in other countries that believe the same way we do is a real encouragement for us and for them and i think that that is a plus and i i also was when i was talking to melanie wilson which is jim wilson's wife about ebok there are opportunities for women to teach uh, that I didn't know about. In fact, she asked okay. me, do you teach? And I said, I do, but Bolivia might not be the place to do it because um, I'm not a pastor, obviously. Uh, so I need to be careful about who I teach as far as men or, or women. But apparently there are places where women can go and, and be a part of the teaching team. So um, that's is, something to look forward to. This is one of the about. main reasons why I definitely wanted, and just for information, uh, the church does pay for uh, the teaching men that are going, but uh, Leanne and I decided that it's so beneficial that we, we bought the ticket for Leanne, and I have no regret for that. She no. doesn't either. It's a tremendous investment, and Leanne is just... It, I like it because I, I get a room with Leanne and I don't have to sleep with the men. So, 
yeah. I'm also going to add, you know, when we were there, we were constantly asked, like, when are you bring your spouse down? Yep. When are you bring yeah. your spouse down? Yep. So I thought in their culture, it was really important yep. for mm-hmm. anyone yep. that can to take <clears throat> their value, spouse with they them. They value family. Yep, yep. And and the interaction between them was, it was a testimony to the church there, and there was a lot of really positive comments. Right. And like Pastor that. Marcel even said to me, it's a, it, it's a good thing. Bob had mentioned that we've been married for 45 years, and he said, in this country, when like ours, there's so much mm-hmm. divorce that that... Yeah. really hits home with them to to know that hey you can be married for that long a period of time mm-hmm. and uh, and plus i got to talk a little about to noelia who's marcella's wife about homeschooling uh she was homeschooling her kids and i had mentioned that my daughter's homeschool so there was that connection too they're they're interested in things like that that we do here in america so that was I didn't know you were told about going and speaking someplace. We need to talk more about that. <laughs> so, so in this in this country, you have evangelicals outnumber Catholics, and you have people that are eager to learn the Word of God or being trained in the Word of God, have uh, freedom to go in and preach the gospel almost anywhere they'd like to. Why why missionaries? Why are why are missionaries important to go and train pastors and leaders? In Bolivia, uh, and, and a follow-up question to that is: Why should someone who is trained and has the gifts and skills to go and serve with this team uh, consider going? And so, the, the program that we're, we're teaching out of is put together on foundations that are biblical, and even the church there is new. It is growing. It is growing rapidly. As I said before, there's opportunities for other doctrines to creep in there. So it's good to have a good basis to teach. Um, there is an aspect of we are an event that allows them to get together and, and do this teaching. Just because they're having foreigners come in makes it, you know, twice a year they're going to have this team come in. It gets everybody get their schedules ready to come in for the event. So there is a little bit of a draw okay. uh, of the exotic where the foreigners coming in to, to help. But they do have a lot of those skills themselves. Yeah. Um, but this is a good program for what they are, and it is in a setting that seems to work good for them to get together and, and go through this teaching. Pastor Jim uh, Wilson and his brother, who was a missionary in Czechoslovakia or in uh, over in that part of the country, they're both graduates of Dallas Theological Seminary, okay. and uh, they developed this program, and it's excellent. It's just an excellent program. It is an overview. It's not right. Right. In great depth, but it gives you the tools and the structure that you can further uh, Well, what learn. we've been through so far is an overview, but starting yes. next year when we get into doctrine, yes. it's going to go deep. deeper. Yes, and yes. We're, we're going to have to even be more prepared than we have. Correct. So we're going to be sending a team again in September. Are all of you part of that team? Mark and myself and uh, Pastor Stephen. Okay. Pastor Stephen from and Leanne. Church. And Leanne. Okay. Leanne. So uh, if anybody is interested in uh, being part of this team in the future, what what are some words that you would uh, offer, words of encouragement to them? I guess first is, you know, pray if that's where God is leading your heart. If that is where he's leading your heart, do not fear. It is not as intimidating. The material is very well. It does take effort to prepare for it, but um, it gives you a very good basis. Don't let the language... No. Stop you from going. No, don't let that. That that's that will be taken care of. I mean yeah. just don't let that be a hindrance. If you feel God tugging at your heart to go, you should go. 
Yeah. You know, you, learning some words does help build relationships. Yeah. Um, but the, the, there is ample provision there. If even if you didn't speak a word of it. That, okay. If if you're thinking about going next June, you need to start preparing now. So what should somebody do if they are considering going? Well, first of all, I would, uh, of course, pray about it. Let Frank or myself or Bob or Paul Jackson know that you're feeling, you, know, you think the spirit is pressing on you, uh, the desire to go. And then we will sit out and we'll talk about it. My hope is that as we go forward, we get younger. Uh, that's just something I've brought to the missions committee. I've brought to these guys before. We have people who have been. We want to get it to the point where, like, for example, if Bob and Leanne want to go one year or one one semester, uh, which will be twice a year, uh, they would go and they would take some folks with them that perhaps haven't been or I would take someone, or Frank and I Frank would take someone like that. We want to get everybody a chance to go through this that feels like God. So if you don't make the next one, or even the next one, there are opportunities. There are plenty of opportunities. I won't use the word plenty. There are there will be. There are a handful opportunities. of opportunities. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel there's a need to send some repeat people down on each trip, but we should really strive to have new people on each trip as well. Yeah, you won't go without someone who's, you know, have already been down there. Okay. So and you can you can enjoy the ride from the airport to wherever we say. Very good. And go through the waiting to get your travel visa. So so get involved in fellowship. Unless you're involved here in loving Jesus and serving him here and enjoying that uh, here a 12-hour plane trip will not change that. You're not going to get instantly endowed with the Holy Spirit and knock you in the head and you'll be super teacher and super in love with God. You need to do that here. And that's your best preparation you can do for going down there is to love Jesus and to be as close to him as you can. And uh, if that is the direction you're headed in, you won't be stopped. Uh, God will draw you. Amen.